Tactical Transition Navigating the Civilian Frontier Mastering Career Strategies Sharpening Networking Tools and Creating a Successful Transition Plan Hello everyone, welcome to the Tactical Transition Podcast. We focus on our senior military leaders as they transition from their military careers into the civilian job market, covering best practices, up-to-date trends, additional resources, and tips for landing that dream job. I am Cindy Poe, an executive career coach with ESOL Seminars, and I am here, as always, with my battle buddy and fellow executive career coach, Michelle Lewis. Good morning, Michelle. How are you on this fine Good day? Good morning, Cindy. It is a fine day indeed. <laughs> a little chilly where I'm at. I'm not liking that, but that's okay. I'm just going to keep going south. I'm just going to well, keep going exactly. south. Exactly. I'll catch. I'll, I'm chasing 70. That's what I'm doing. I'm chasing that 70 degree weather. So it's got to be somewhere. If I keep going south, I'll find it. But Absolutely. we are excited. <laughs> We're excited for today's show. As always, I was just saying before we started the show that we got, I got to get a thesaurus and find a word for substitute for excited because we always say that, but that's what that's truly what we are. We're always excited to talk to our guests uh, on, on each of our podcasts, and this week is no exception. And Michelle, I'm going to pass it over to you and I let you know, introduce our guests. Thrilled, guest. thrilled, exuberant. I, I just can't figure it out, but what I do know is um, I was very much looking forward to doing this podcast one because uh, what a great guy we've got on here. And I know we always say that, but you know, that that's the standard that we have developed is we're not going to bring somebody on here that uh, doesn't have value to um, our listeners. And uh, quite honestly, um, just an overall nice guy. So uh, let me take a couple minutes just to kind of do a quick introduction and then we'll get started. Today, we are going to be speaking to um, Bill Gray. Uh, And Bill Gray retired from the Marine Corps in April of this year um, after 29 years of service. He was a graduate of Henderson Hall ESOL Seminar about a year ago. Give him a shout out. Um, the week before Thanksgiving in 2022, I think is when he came through. I tell you, I don't know about you, Cindy, but I remember exactly where he sat. Um, he grew up in the air wing as an aviation logistics officer. He has deployed multiple times, including to Kuwait, Iraq for OIF-1 uh, and Afghanistan for OEF. Um, and as a lieutenant colonel, he commanded the Marine Aviation Logistics Squadron 31, Miles 31 in Beaufort, South Carolina, beautiful area there, and then Miles 40 in Afghanistan. He has four tours in the Pentagon. So when we talk about Pentagon purgatory, Bill absolutely understands that. Bill has multiple defense acquisitions tours, uh, including uh, at the F-35 Joint Program Office, About a third of Bill's career was in military recruiting, and he commanded a recruiting station in Fort Worth, Texas, when he was a major. His first tour as a colonel was as the Assistant Chief of Staff for Operations, G3, at Marine Corps Recruiting Command, and he commanded the 6th Marine Corps District as a colonel, where his Marines in the southeastern Puerto Rico were responsible for about one-sixth of the total Marine Corps officer and enlisted accession mission. 
His last job as an active duty uh, Marine was as the chief of staff for Europe, NATO, Russia branch within the J-5 of the joint staff. So I'm sure he had absolutely nothing to do in that job. Um, but out of all the things he's done, Bill's favorite line in his bio is that he will celebrate his 30th wedding anniversary with his lovely wife, the former Deborah Kelly, in December of this year. And the good part about that is they actually still like each other. So that is impressive in itself. Um, Bill comes back to speak uh, to our ESOL seminars as a proof source that the grass is always greener on the other side. And we enjoy introducing him every time he comes to speak. Um, and, and Cindy, you know, that's that's part of why we invited him to this, because he brings uh, just a depth of wisdom. But more than that, he brings experience to the audience sitting there and he is very relatable. So I think that that same relatability um, will come across in today's podcast. So, Bill, welcome. We are excited to have you here. Uh, exuberant, thrilled, whatever new word we're going to use. Um, fine but uh, but we are ready to get started. So, Cindy, I'm going to pass it back over to you and Bill. Let's go ahead and get this podcast started. Good morning, ladies. Absolutely, absolutely. So we are we are excited, Bill, and and I want to say thank you so much for coming to the classes and speaking uh, to those who are sitting where you sat. Uh, I tell you, we get great great feedback uh, about your conversation. And, and that's what I want to call it. It's a conversation that you have with uh, with the folks there. Um, give them a little bit. It's always good to give people uh, or to get insight about something that you're about to do from someone who's already done it. You know, it, it sort of takes away that little bit of fear. So we appreciate your doing that. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So, um, you know, let's let's get into this. You you, you are new as far as I'm concerned, you're like, you know, you're like a puppy in the transition because uh, you, you've been just a, a little, um, you know, you were, like you said, you were sitting in a transition class um, back in November, just a year ago. So um, tell us about your experiences since the transition. Just tell us how life has been outside the walls of the Pentagon. <laughs> well, it, it is absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, part of the reason I go back is to make people understand that it shouldn't be scary. It, it you know, life on the other side, you know, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Um, you know, since then, you know, I have a, a job I love. Uh, I'm with a fantastic company. You know, it kind of fell on my lap. Uh, and, and we can talk about that later in the podcast. But, uh, you know, people shouldn't be scared of the transition. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm loving life. Um you know, I, I didn't realize how miserable I was on the joint staff until I left it this time last year. I was still in uniform, uh, you know, and I remember uh, the two of you and, and other people in the ESOL seminar were were a little bit freaking out. Uh, and like, how can you be so calm? Because your last day uh, at work is going to be the 16th of December. And I'm like, well, you know, I've, I've done this before. You know, people say go to uh, the executive transition course more than once. I've done it about five years prior uh, and so I had been working on stuff for years uh, and it just happened that, you know, with my schedule and the joint staff, I, that was the only time I could do it before, you know, I actually retired and they require it uh, within two years of retirement to uh, for it to count or they won't let you retire. Uh, so uh, a lot of things that, that I knew I needed to be working on, I was working on. 
Uh, but it was fantastic to, to go through the class because uh, it was not uh, you two that were doing it five years ago. And the, the stuff you brought to the class is relevant. It's, it's uh, in step with today's day and age, some of the things that you bring on board uh, that we had never even known about, uh, you know, electronic business cards, uh, tag, tag crowd, those things uh, are relevant today. And uh, it was a fantastic um, experience to brush the rust off and then update it with new knowledge. So um, everybody's different. Everybody has a different story, uh, but I was very comfortable in the transition. I wasn't stressed and, and, Fortunately, that that woman that Michelle uh, so kindly uh, helped introduce as well. Uh, my wife works, so she allowed me a little bit of a soft landing. Uh, so, you know, I, I didn't worry about losing the house. I may have had to cancel Netflix or something uh, if I didn't immediately start working. But um, it, it took a lot of the stress and pressure off. And so I enjoyed the transition. And, um, you know, the happenstance uh, job that I ended up with was the exact right fit. You know, I'm a man of faith and, you know, I, I believe God had a plan, a piece in it. Um, but, uh, it's been a good ride. That's awesome. It is funny. You say this though, about, you know, uh, we were freaking out because we do, when we stand in front of a class and we ask how long people have before transition and anybody that says less than a year or something, we instinctively get like a little nervous for them and hopes, but, you were, you were very calm. You were very sure. It's like, yeah, you know, right around the corner. And I was like, holy cow. Uh, but it, you had a couple of things turn out a little differently than you had expected to, them to do. And I, I want to start there because I'm going to tell you, it's one of my, and I mean, we have thousands of stories from people, but this is by far my favorite story of how you found your current role. And I'm going to have you tell, oh, I'm going to have you tell that story. Before, before we get into that story, let me just, let me go back just a little bit, Bill, when you just mentioned um, your wife, uh, Deborah, and you said, you know, you were pretty settled and, and calm as you transitioned. Um, did you have that same uh, support from uh, Deborah, or was she in the background going, uh-oh, this is going to change the whole dynamic of, of our house? wonder how it affected um your wife as you transitioned were there was there any kind of um nervousness from her part actually there wasn't uh, part of uh what makes our marriage good is that we talk and communicate and we're always on the same page and, and we have a plan and we execute the plan and it works uh and uh just timeline wise i mean she thought that i wasn't going to start working until probably the may time frame may june take some time off and just very casually you know, my, my, my plan was to, you know, get up in the morning, work out, you know, shower, eat a little bit of breakfast, spend two or three hours doing the job search kind of thing, and then enjoy the afternoon, you know, and then take off when I wanted to. Um, and my timeline ended up being 16th of December was my last day at the Pentagon. The, you know, started uh, PTAD. The 17th of January, I picked up my DD-214. So that was the last day I actually put on a uniform, went to Henderson Hall, picked that up. The 17th of February was my first day at Steerbridge. Um, so it it was too good a job not to uh, jump on immediately, uh, but it worked out. But we were both prepared for me to, you know, spend almost, you know, five, six months just relaxing, taking a breath. And, uh, you know, she had, she had, 
the, the checkbook and uh, we were going to be just fine with my retirement and uh, VA disability. And, you know, over the years we have made wise money decisions and, and did not get into a lot of uh, debt and things. So we were in a comfortable place, but it was absolutely a, um, uh, a joint plan that we both stepped off on. Good, good. And I, I guess that's what I wanted to, to kind of emphasize is uh, probably the most successful um, folks that we talk to, uh, especially those who have the long-term marriages, you know, I, I, I love to say Bill's been uh, married 30 years, 30 consecutive years, you know. <laughs> all to the same person. It's all to, to the, the same, same person, person all, right? in row, all in a row. <laughs> and so, um, so, you know, we, we often have though, uh, people sitting in our class and, and they're going home to, uh, to a spouse who may be stressed. And I wanted to get your kind of that, that thought process on how you guys made it successful. And I think you just nailed it when you said communication, just communication, have a plan and, and implement the plan. And so, uh, so I did want to just bring, uh, bring that that part into this as well and then before we before we go on you just mentioned was it ptap you mentioned um you give some advice in our class that there may be a lot of marines out there that may not know about that and can you just pause uh and give us a little bit of feedback on how you manage that uh before we move on yeah sure so uh permissive tad every retired marine or or service member rates 20 days of ptad that you can take in conjunction with your retirement. And if you are willing to go back after your PTAD period uh, and pick up your DD-214, you don't have to take those 20 days consecutively. So you can take them as you want. Uh, you don't have to burn weekends. You don't have to burn federal holidays. Uh, so just duty days uh, are the, when I took those days and that ended up stressing out into a month. So I had 30 days off because I didn't have to use them for weekends and Christmas and New York New Year's and, and things like that. Uh, I went to pick up my DD-214. Then I started terminal leave. Now, if you want to pick up your DD-214 and, and be gone and move out of the area, you do have to take those 20 days consecutively. So uh, some may think, OK, it's not a big deal, 10 days, uh, but it, it to right. me, it's worth it uh, just to go back one time and uh, pick up a piece of paper. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, great, great. All right, Cindy, now I'm going to let you go ahead and get into your, what I know you were just chomping at the bit to talk I, to. Because I love it. It's my favorite story. And, you know, it's so funny because even, even, but you know what it is, it's a great story, but more than that, it's the way Bill is about the company and the job. It's the way he relates his relationship to that. And it makes me so incredibly happy because it's exactly what I want for every person. <laughs> and I want them to know it's out there. You just got to go find it. But you even said it was too good of a job to pass up. I was going to take, you know, five or six months, but this was just too good. And you love your job and your all this. So I want you to tell the story of your pursuit and how this job happened to you. So I'm happy to do that. And, you know, I, I love the story. It, it, uh, it illustrates what the two of you preach in the seminar. Activate your network. The network is, is crucially important. Um, so a piece of advice that I received and that I continue to give uh, paying it forward is talk to whoever is willing to give you the time. And, and you have to understand that uh, people out there want to help. Veterans want to help other veterans. And there's a mindset out there that 
you know, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to take their time and everything else. Stop. Just, just ask, go to breakfast, go to coffee, take, take somebody to lunch and, and pick their brain because no matter what the conversation is, you're going to glean a nugget out of that. Whether it's, should I take the civilian uh, private uh, medical insurance? Should, you know, should I go with the VSO with the VA? There, there's a plethora of questions that you have no idea about that, you know, there's going to be a nugget out of every conversation. And so I did that. Um, I reached out to my uh, friends and and uh, people I'd known for years that had already transitioned. And, and uh, so the week that we were doing ESOL that I was in your class the, before Thanksgiving last year, uh, I had arranged uh, two breakfasts, you know, and it just, just so happened schedule wise. It was one day after the other. So I think it was Tuesday morning. Uh, another retired colonel who works at Boeing. Uh, he's in charge of Marine Corps programs at, at Boeing. Uh, he and I sat down for breakfast and he does this for anybody that's, that's willing to ask. He brought, you know, here's some, uh, an Excel file that you may want to use for budgeting post Marine Corps. Here's, I mean, all this stuff was his, his, uh, PME professional military education to those that, that are transitioning. And, uh, I would just, Hey, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I don't know. I want to learn, you know, tell me what I, I need to think about. And he did that. And on the back end, wasn't necessarily looking for it, but, oh, by the way, let me have your resume. Uh, you know, I know you're an Avalog guy by trade and, and that's kind of, you know, Boeing has an interest in that, you know, I'll pass your resume around. Um, and so by the time I got home at that night, um, he had relayed to me that uh, the, Vice president of all HR. So Boeing has like six different sub companies within it. Boeing Commercial, Boeing Defense, Aerospace. I mean, there's, there's about six different companies. And then the corporate structure over all six of those uh, organizations is where this guy resides. I mean, he's right next to the CEO, the vice president of HR, wanted to talk to me. And that just was a result of that conversation with my friend at Boeing. Went there in December, had a great interview, walked around, and they wanted to create a job. Uh, based on my recruiting experience to help recruit veterans. That would not have come to be if I hadn't gone to breakfast with my, my Boeing friend. My Lockheed friend, uh, he was the XO uh, of the MAG, Marine Aircraft Group, when I was a squadron commander down in Buford, uh, sat down for breakfast the following morning. Um, and the same kind of thing. Uh, so he took my resume, and, and by the first break in your seminar, the uh, military corporate recruiter at Lockheed was blowing up my email saying, hey, we need to talk. You know, by the way, he was a retired Marine colonel who was also a district commander on recruiting when he was on active duty in the Marine Corps. Uh, so there was things there, but where you just don't know what happens and where it kind of uh, this steps into my story is when I was meeting the second day with the Lockheed guy, there was another gent in, it was in Bobanitas Cafe in Crystal City, a uh, little diner a gent that I had not seen in 10 years that I used to work with at the F-35 Joint Program Office was sitting there having breakfast by himself before he went into the office. He walks over and, and sees the two of us and like, hey, hey, man, you know, Dino, uh, good to see you. I hadn't seen you in a while. Hey, Bill, you know, and, and uh, what are y'all doing? And he looked over to my buddy Troll and it's like, hey, so uh, I'm just giving him my PME on you know, transitioning. Uh, here's things to think about and so forth. He's like, you know what? Rob does this. You know, he'd be a good guy to talk to. And so he was talking about the the founder and managing partner, basically the CEO of Steerbridge, the company I now work for. 
And Rob and I were the same year group. We graduated the same year or got commissioned the same year. He grew up in aviation, a Harrier pilot, but we kept missing each other during tours in the in the Pentagon. Uh, I was never stationed at Yuma or Cherry Point. You know, we, I was stationed at different air stations, but you know, we we kept crossing paths and we we knew all the same people. Um, and so Dino connected me with Rob. And I went out there and had coffee with them and same kind of thing. What I need to think about, you know, and he, he's been doing a lot of work with the VA. Here's some, a lot of VA things to think about. And oh, by the way, you know, send me your resume. I know all these people, I'll farm it out. So I did that. I was very grateful for his time. Uh, very good conversation. And then fast forward, Christmas comes, New Year's comes. And after the new year, Rob reaches out to me. It's like, hey, man, yeah, I, I did not do you a solid. I, I apologize. I'm like, Rob, what are you talking about? You know, you gave me your time and gave me a lot of good things to think about. He's like, no, uh, the holidays got in the way. Um, I, I need to follow through. How about come back out and let's let let me refresh uh, your story with me. And then I'm going to follow through and, and get your resume passed out. So I go back and it's the exact, exact same conversation. We don't have a conversation about working at Steerbridge, it's, uh, here's the things to think about with the VA, blah, blah, blah. And, okay, you're an Avalon guy. Do you know uh, Mike Dana? I'm like, you mean retired Lieutenant General Mike Dana, former uh, Deputy Commandant for Installation Logistics in the Marine Corps? Of course, I know who he is. You're like, well, you know, Mike is, he consults for us. You know, I'll send Mike, you know, it just blew me away. Okay, Mike, right? Uh, I'll send Mike your resume. He'll get it out in the, the logistics community, blah, blah, blah. And so, great. You know, I appreciate it. I leave, you know, it was literally a repeat conversation of the, the coffee we had back in December. And about 10 days later, um, I'm uh, sitting there. And at that time now, I am, I've got two offers uh, I'm considering. One was down uh, at Quantico. The other one's up at the Navy Yard. Both very good jobs. Um, and I'm still waiting on the Boeing thing to, to materialize. I'm having conversations with Lockheed. Uh, and... Rob sends me an email on a Sunday. He says, hey, uh, you got time to chat tomorrow? Sure, no problem. I think he's just going to give me an update on, you know, network-wise. And I get him on, uh, you know, uh, MS Teams uh, meeting, and he offers me a job. And the moral of the story is, you know, take all these conversations seriously. And sometimes you don't even know if you're being interviewed. Um, but it turned out that they had just uh, landed a, a – approval to a mod to a contract that uh, for F-35 work, which is why I was hired and it's my primary job, uh, supporting the Marine Corps in sustainment. So uh, he hired me, you know, at the, the leadership level, I report directly to basically the CEO of the company and it is a fantastic organization. You know, um, I mean, I could go on for, for, you know, the rest of our time here about the, the culture of the company, you know, why that's important and, and so forth. But that's, that's kind of the story with me and it, uh, and it would not have happened had I not gone to breakfast and asked my buddy Troll at Lockheed to have breakfast with me. And I run into Dino, who just so happened to be there um, having breakfast at the same time. That linkage would not have occurred uh, and had me where I am. And it is. It's that networking. And and like you said, the more, you know, you didn't even know you were being interviewed by him. He was giving you advice to go find jobs elsewhere and how to how to improve that. And then he saw what he saw in you and said, Hey, but, we don't, you know, 
we don't want somebody else to have you, right? Like, <laughs> but, well, that's true. But he, we all know the same people, and I was very well vetted by the time he'd come back and say, <laughs> exactly, hey, uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it is. It's just a. It's a great. Um, it, it's a great story about uh, networking. It's a great story about the mentorship that we talk about, and you're doing that now. You're paying it forward by doing this and. I'm sure anybody who wants to talk to you, you're happy to talk to them. And this is what this community does. Um, you know, you you want to to take that that uh, advice, that help, and it definitely pays off. Um, and you said that you could, uh, you know, go on. You made a comment just a second ago saying you could go on forever talking about the community uh, and the culture at this company, how great it is address that for just a minute and how important it is that because every company has a different culture it has uh, different values the mission is different at every company how important is that aspect of the job search finding that that and how do you did you know that before you worked for them or did you find it out after the fact uh, a little bit of both. Uh, I mean, I know I'm not enough people that have interactions with Steerbridge, so uh, I did the betting that I could. Uh, but, you know, one of your previous podcasts, you know, I've listened to them all and they're all great. And, but uh, and I can't remember which one it was, but the speaker was talking about happiness in the job. Uh, you can find a job and you can you know, probably pick one that pays you more than another, but you're getting that job and you're going to be miserable. So. The first thing I would advise is, you know, think about where you want to land and what kind of culture you want to be in. Uh, do you want to work in a big, you know, a huge company uh, like a Boeing or a Lockheed, or do you want to go to work for the government? Uh, I never did wanted to go be a GS, but some people, you know, like the security of that or like, you know, going back and, and sitting side by side with those that uh, they just left. You know, they're uh, not in uniform anymore, but they're they're sitting side by side with them. So I mean, figure out you know what is it that's going to give you satisfaction and fulfillment first. I think that's more important than you know the the dollar signs. You know what you're going to get paid. Um, a lot of people will, will go based on the pay, and then they realize okay, six months into it, they're miserable, and uh, that's that's not what you know that is going to satisfy. So for me, culture was important. I like being in a very small company. Uh, you know, we're nimble. You know, had I gone to work anywhere else, I probably would not have been reporting directly to the CEO. I've got some, you know, I've, I've got my day job. F-35 is, is what I devote 40 hours a week to, but I've also got the freedom, you know, to, to have what I call side hustles. You know, if there's opportunities that I want to go and pursue above and beyond, you know, I have free reign to do that. Um, and so that makes a difference. The people that we hire at Steerbridge are all top tier. I mean, I have not come across another employee at Steerbridge that just doesn't water my eyes. Rob will tell you that the most important decision he makes is the people he hires. And, and that is true. Um, I, bar none, you know, I've not come across a counter to that with somebody that uh, I've come across at Steerbridge. And that creates a, a culture that I want to be part of. The mission that we have, I mean, we support the, the government, you know, so we're indirectly still contributing to the national security of the United States. So having a job that has meaning to me uh, adds to my the happiness factor. Um, you know, and, and they're, they're, the list can go on. I mean, do you want to be uh, going in the office every day? Do you want to work remote? Do you want to have a hybrid solution? I, I have negotiated a hybrid solution. So a couple of days a week, I'm, you know, here in my home office and, and working from home. 
uh, because of the type of work I, I'm doing, it, it allows for that. Um, overall quality of life, you know, if you go into a company, uh, I would recommend nobody should take a job based on talking to just one person, uh, one interview, you know, and if they're not willing to walk you around the company and you get a feel for, you know, the, the, just the spirit of the company, um, that should put, set off some alarm bells. So, um, that's kind of my spill on the job piece, you know, understand what you're getting into, give some thought beforehand about, you know, if I had a perfect job, what would it look like? And then uh, go from there and rank your job picks accordingly, because there's going to be multiple offers uh, for anybody that is this level is leaving the military. You know, Skillbridge uh, is another piece that I would say utilize, uh, take advantage of it, but be careful too. Um, I had a, a uh, young Marine that I was mentoring while well, I say young Marine, he retired, but he retired as a gunny. Uh, and he was in a different part of the country. He went to a big uh, defense contractor with the Skillbridge program. And instead of doing that remotely, being a geographic bachelor, he burned his last PCS move with the military by moving his family to this other city. And this defense contractor knew that and Gave him a very, you know low ball offer, probably forty thousand dollars less than uh, he would have got otherwise, because uh, he kind of backed himself in the corner, didn't have negotiation room. You know, he, the company just came back and said, "Well, okay, you know, move somewhere else if you want." And uh, so, Skillbridge is a great opportunity to get out there and uh, kind of intern to see what companies are out there. A lot of companies um, will participate in that. So, if there's one that you're after. You know, even though it may not be listed on the SkillBridge website, you know, contact the company and ask and, you know, if they probably participate. And so three to six months worth of, uh, you know, time on active duty that you can get a feel for, okay, I'm going to test drive, you know, test driving the car, test drive the company to see if I like it here. And if not, no harm, no foul. You end SkillBridge, you start terminal leave uh, and, and find something else. Bill, some I want to add to that, you know, uh, I'm, I am a fan of, of SkillBridge and the opportunities that it presents. But one thing that I have noticed that some of our uh, senior folks may do, and actually even anybody that steps into uh, the SkillBridge is um, don't stop networking uh, just because you have taken on a SkillBridge internship. Because you're you're right. What if they turn around and this company now, you know, you realize uh, either lowballs you or 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 for lack of, you know, no negativity, but um, it just isn't the right fit. You don't want to have lost that opportunity to be networking and talking with with those other companies. Um, Bill, let me go back. Uh, something you said earlier, and even though it is not a position you took. Um, you had mentioned that Boeing, uh, as they were talking to you, they were going to create a role for you. Um, I, it, and I just think that's fascinating. People don't realize things like that happen. You know, that when you are a talented um, veteran and the things you bring to the table from a veteran's standpoint, people will, you know, move mountains sometimes to bring you on their team. So I think that uh, that was a neat phrase you said even though that wasn't the direction you wanted to take. And I love that because um, some folks would feel obligated. Well, 
I I should do this because this this company is going to go above and beyond or go the extra mile to bring me on. But you still uh, paused and said, well, wait a minute, let me look at this one and let me look at this one. And Steerbridge ultimately won your heart. And I love that. Um, but I did want to just reach back and say, you don't have to take the first thing that comes along, you know? Well, that's right. And, uh, you know, in the Boeing case, I mean, that that was a project that they had had kind of on the back burner because their their veteran percentage of hires uh, was below what they wanted. So they had been talking about creating a role to, to increase uh, the veteran percentage of, of employees. Uh, and I went thinking, OK, I'm an aviation logistics guy. You know, I've got time uh, supporting the F-35, help stand up the first F-35 squad in the Marine Corps. So I thought I was going to go into that role. But when I went in and they realized that a third of my career was in military recruiting. Like, you know what? This this is a burden to hand. I mean, so we know we we can now try to fast track the approval to make this job an actual position uh, instead of just an idea with the HR team. Um, and so, had I stuck, you know, waited a little while, that probably would, you know, and maybe they've already created that billet now. But the fact that they had a burden to hand with the my background in recruiting. Uh, kind of made them jumpstart and get the the position on track, uh, you know, fast track it again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was all through your networking, though. You having right. the ability to talk about the background you brought to the table. Well, let's talk about networking now that you're, uh, you know, you're over on the 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 other side of the fence now. Um, part of what you do, and I, and I love it, is you pay it forward. You come back to the class and you talk to them. You talk to them about don't be nervous, don't be scared, because, you know, if you if you are going to be nervous, at least use it for your advantage and and uh, lasso that nervousness and, and make sure you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's with your plan. You know, um, I've always told our class, being nervous is not a problem. A complacency is the problem, you know, so just go out of your comfort zone and do those kind of things. Do you find that you are networking with folks now um, and connecting them with, whether it's Steerbridge or other positions, do you, do you find that you're in that position? Yeah. Um, you know, and I, that comes really from a position of gratitude. I mean, I am so thankful for the people that uh, were willing to give me their time and put me where I am. And I realized that without those people giving me their time, you know, we wouldn't be talking like this and I wouldn't be where I am. So I feel a little bit of an obligation to pay it forward. And so that's why I'm happy to come to talk whenever y'all want me to, uh, you know, I put out there and we can do it at the end of this thing, but you know, my email address or, you know, LinkedIn profile, connect, you know, and if you're in the area, we may not have ever met. I'm happy to go, you know, sit down and go through my lessons learned, uh, whether it's with the VA, whether it's with uh, DFAS or, you know, the things that we talk about in your seminars, uh, just because you don't know what you don't know. And unless somebody brings it to your attention, you know, it, it's not necessarily part of a curriculum that, okay, here are the boxes you need to check. You know, for example, uh, DFAS does not automatically uh, take out state income tax for your retirement. You have to physically go into the website and do your own estimation and set the state, and then they will do it. You know, I called DFAS on that because after two or three months, uh, I realized state taxes weren't being taken out, but they had my address. I now changed to a Virginia residency, and the answer back from them was, well, there's 50 states, and they change the laws all the time, so we don't even try to mess with it. you got to figure it out on your own and then go in and set what you want with uh, taken out. 
And so nobody told me that. And so, you know, tips like that along the way, that's why I say, you know, you're going to glean a nugget out of every conversation. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, and that's why I do it, you know, and, and going back to, uh, you know, the people are happy to help. Uh, uh, Dave Maurer, your uh, four, podcast four and five, I think, or whatever, you know, number it, it was, you know, he, at the end of his podcast said, Hey, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect. And I didn't necessarily want anything out of Dave. It was like, Hey, he was a great speaker. I enjoyed listening to him. You know, I hit the button connected. He immediately came back and connected and, you know, realized that they were both in the DC area. And so he and I are, are committed to schedule, sit down and have coffee one day, just because I think he'd be a neat guy to talk to, uh, you know, his story's great. And, uh, but that's the example of, you know, you don't even have to know somebody. People are willing to help, want to help. Just ask. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you got that out of uh, Dave's stories because he is. Uh, and that's why we bring people on here. You know, they they don't just come on our podcast and say what they say just for the sake of it. Um, the other day I was talking with somebody who had been talking with a hiring authority and she said the hiring authority said to her, hey, listen, I thought you were a great candidate. I'm going to be your advocate as we take you up to the next level of interviews. And she came back to me and said, do you think she's really going to do that? And I said, you know, people don't say that for no reason. There's no vested interest in saying, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be your advocate or, or come on, connect with me or let me be your network. I mean, there's no reason for them to say it and not mean it. Uh, so I love that you actually took him up on it because uh, when Dave says it, he truly means it and reach out to me. And and I always joke because he's one of my favorite people. So I hope he does listen to this when I say, Dave, would talk to a dead dog. He really would. He is a great storyteller. He is a man of wisdom, but he enjoys people and he enjoys communicating with people. So when he says reach out and contact me, he sincerely means it. So I'm so I'll, glad. I'll leave, a, I'll leave a tease for your audience. You know, if you haven't heard the podcast, you'll you'll get a kick out of his oreo story so i'm just going to <laughs> that's true to that's, the podcast right. that's the best he's got yeah. the best stories he does i i like the oreo story but i tell you i still love because i'm a very visual person and when he tells the stories you can see it happening like you can mm -hmm. physically when he tells the oreo story or or the home depot story which is my favorite yep, yep. uh I, I can actually envision it all happening and i just love that because it plants that planted a seed with him you know he's like you know thinking it made him really think about his life a little bit and so i love those back to, you need a job that's going to make you happy exactly. you know and fulfilled. yeah i mean michelle and i say this all the time I, I mean we are the the age that we are and she'll tell you i'm older yes i'm older but you know that's okay not by much but i'm <laughs> but we are the age we are and i'm telling you if if i'm not enjoying what i'm doing i am not going to spend my time doing it you know we don't know how many days we have left. If I, if I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, I'm not going to spend my time. So you, you have to, you have to decide that at some point you got to be, you know, um, I saw a funny um, little video. Um, as there's so many out there of a young person saying that, you know, she got let go of her job because her, her boss said, you know, you're just not enjoying your job. And she says, when, when did it happen that we we're supposed to enjoy our job? I'm, I'm being let go because I don't enjoy my job. And I'm thinking to myself, probably what he was saying was, you don't enjoy your job. And it's really obvious to the customers <laughs> that you're not enjoying your job. You know, so he did you a solid. <laughs> he, did, he did you a favor. <laughs> you know, look at it that way. 
So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's important to to find that fit, especially, you know, at this stage. But I, I, I was curious, you know, as you were talking about the, your network and the people that you had met with for breakfast and, and just had these chats, was there anything that stood out in those conversations to you that you could pay it forward and, and share that advice with something that you just had no, like, it was, it was like, oh, wow, I hadn't considered that, that maybe one of these, I'm going to call them mentors for you, uh, had said to you that maybe you could pay, pass that on to, to the audience. I mean, everybody is so unique and that's why getting a broad, uh, set of opinions is important. You know, I, I like using the example of, uh, medical insurance. So I sat down with some guys and they're like, well, I don't want the young army captain that just got back from Korea uh, repeating the uh, botched up knee replacement surgery on my wife. So I'm going to go and take the civilian uh, employee provided health care, even though I know it's going to cost me more than TRICARE Prime. And some people like I, I made a decision. I'm not going to go with TRICARE Prime. I'm going to go with the U.S. Family Health Plan here in the D.C. area, Johns Hopkins. Uh, and Decisions like that are uh, personal. You need to talk about it with those that uh, it affects, you know, your spouses or whatever. So whether you take uh, the SB survivor's benefit plan uh, or not is another example. Some people would say, no, go off and, uh, you know, just buy health insurance and uh, don't have that decremented from your retirement each month. In my case, uh, I, I do a lot of things because of DWIs, Debbie wants it. And so, um, she, she, it was peace of mind for her uh, to have, if I end up croaking, she's taken care of for life. And it's worth uh, the six and a half percent of my retirement to have that taken care of, despite the fact that we have pretty lofty health insurance, or I'm sorry, life insurance policies. Um, but okay, th that's what she wants. And um, that was a personal decision for us. And part of what made me choose that route was a friend of mine. Uh, Sean DeWolf, retired colonel, was a former CEO of uh, Marine Aircraft Group 12 in Eagle County. Uh, about this time last year, I was having a conversation with him, and he's like, hey, man, so uh, SBP, this is one thing I want to talk to you about. Uh, you know my story. And Sean, right after he retired, was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Thought he was healthy as a horse. He's like, please, please, Bill, take SBP, because I didn't. Uh, I thought I was healthy and we we're going to live a long time. I did the life insurance uh, and I wish I didn't. Again, no right or wrong answer, but uh, you just never know. Uh, like Cindy said, you're, you don't know if you're going to get run over by a truck tomorrow. And so those are decisions that you need to you know, give due consideration for, because with the exception of the one time last year when the government opened it up for the first time in history as a one time offer, uh, once you start your retirement, that's a final decision. If you do, if you turn it down, you can't turn it back on. But if you start with SBP, you can turn it off at any time in the future. So, I mean, there's a whole laundry list of, you know, like I say, nuggets that I took notes on and um, I pass on to people that I talk to. That's fantastic. Oh, I think that's excellent advice. Uh, you, you know, a lot of people don't know 
Uh, my backstory, my dad was a uh, retired um, senior enlisted, and he opted because, you know, this is when SBP had first started. And he he uh, told me um, he opted to not take it because his, you know, um, certain major or whatever said, ah, this thing's going to go away. It's not going to stay. It's, you know, it's a, and so my dad opted not to with the belief that he would, you know, he would be around a lot longer than my mom. And, and that didn't happen. You know, you just never know. Um, and, and so my dad left probably, uh, gosh, I would say 18 years before my mom then passed. So it does make a difference. And and I totally agree. It is a personal decision, but it is something that we should uh, talk to our audience about to reflect on what is important, to reflect on whether you are self-insured. I mean, if you're if your investments are where you are comfortable and your life insurance is where you're comfortable, fine, but don't rule it out um, without really doing that consideration. And I think that's very good advice, Bill. And the other piece that I would offer, and, and you know, the transition seminar spends a lot of time on it, but it's, it's worth the attention is VA benefits. Uh, you know, we in active duty, neglect a lot of healthcare because we need to go and do the next thing, deploy. Pilots are the worst. They want to stay on flight status. So um, as, you know, three, four or five years out from retirement, start documenting things in the medical record, right? And it, even if it has to be crammed in the last six months, it needs to be documented in the medical record so that when you submit your VA claim, all that stuff adds up. You know, it's not lineal. So 10 plus 10% doesn't equal 20%. They've got their own formula, but, uh, a long laundry list will get you VA disability ratings. And if you get up to 100% because there's just enough things that are documented, that's a huge benefit, you know, and it varies state by state and county by county. But, um, you know, some com some uh, counties or states, for example, don't charge sales tax on a vehicle for disabled veterans. Some people don't or, you know, communities don't charge property tax on a home. So it's very, very important um, to take care of yourself, start getting, you know, the things you've neglected, documented, start uh, being seen. And, uh, and if it doesn't happen before uh, you retire, start getting those things fixed, you know, shortly thereafter. In fact, this morning I was, uh, I'd gone to a civilian orthopedic surgeon to finally get my shoulder looked at. And uh, turns out he knew what he was doing a whole lot more than the young uh I'll leave the service out of it, the young active duty doctor uh, who apparently misdiagnosed. But uh, so take care of yourself and start uh, being treated for the things that ail you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So now we've come to the part of the show. Uh, I, you know, Michelle and I, when we decided to do this show, we wanted to have a little bit of fun uh, and, and let the audience get to know our guests the way that we feel we do. So we ask each of our guests to tell us a fun fact about themselves that maybe people don't know about you um, so we can get to know you a little better. So, Bill, what is your fun fact? Okay, so um, I was thinking about this. Fortunately, I had a little bit of a heads up that you're going to ask this question. And uh, throughout the podcast, you may have heard um, my my howling beagles in the background. I am a sucker for dogs, and I'm a sucker for, for beagles especially. Um, so this is going to be combined fun fact. Uh, and PSA. Uh, so I, I, you know, love dogs. Uh, both of my dogs were rescues uh, 
from the biomedical research uh, industry. Uh, my male is 10 years old. He's for, unfortunately uh, used as a test subject uh, for the first 14 months of his life. He was in a, a kennel, didn't know how to be a dog. We uh, found him through a rescue when I was at the Naval War College uh, rescue up in, in New Jersey. And so since then, uh, he has learned very well how to be a dog. It's been sport rotten. Um, our puppy, well, she's about 18 months now, but uh, she rules the roost. And um, so Invigo was a company that was shut down by the federal government last summer uh, from Cumberland, Maryland. They had about 4,000 dogs there. It's a breeding facility. They'd sell the dogs off. They, you know, fortunately they were shut down. And, and so through a local rescue, um, you know, we got her. So people don't realize that uh, due to antiquated laws out there, there are estimated between 90,000 to 100,000 dogs that are used for, for testing, you know, for things that, you know, it would not affect me the same way it would affect an animal. Uh, and so um, you want to be cruelty free. There's cruelty free apps out there. You can scan the bark and see if, uh, you know, it's tested on. Uh, so yep. no reason why we need to have 90 to a hundred thousand dogs, most of which are euthanized uh, regardless of whether they had an effect or not. So, uh, uh, so the PSA is, is adopt rescue dogs, you know, don't go to the pet store. Uh, Breeders, you know, there's plenty of dogs and pounds that, that need help. So um, combination, fun fact, and a PSA for you. I love it. Oh, my goodness. Ah, and I'm such a dog lover. I'm, I've am i done everything I can during this podcast to threaten my two that if they bark, uh, I'm going <laughs> to just take them out because they lay under my feet often while we are doing these podcasts. I think it, uh, I, I am an animal lover in general, but Bill, I'm with you. There is something about a dog that, that, that can just be the absolute best friend you can ever have um so i love it and i am in my mind uh hearing those beagles uh, I, we can't literally hear them but there is nothing like a beagle bark it is got to be the best bay you've ever heard and so uh I so i imagine your your ups and your mail lady has or mailman has heard it quite often yeah i have the intruder alert go off uh, multiple times during the day yeah, I love it. Love it. We had a beagle. Um, he lived to be, uh, gosh, he was almost nineteen. But yeah, eighteen years. We just loved him. Just loved him. I mean, he was. He was. He didn't know he was a dog. He thought he was one of us. And then we got a second dog, and he thought that was his pet. So, you know, they just think they're <laughs> part of the family there. So, well, this has been. I love that fact, and I love the PSA. I think that's so important. Um, and 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 you're right. You can absolutely find those products and stuff that that they, they are uh, doing a better job uh, than some of the others. So yeah, it's important to pay attention to that. So thank you for that. And thank you for your time, Bill. We know you're super busy, but you're always so gracious to uh, offer your time to help us and, uh, and to spread, um, spread the information and the messages that, that we try to for our, our service members. Um, this was another great show. I want to thank uh, everyone for listening. We appreciate your time and we will never waste it. And to our transitioning military veterans, our focus is to bring you the aim small, miss small concept and hone your focus into each transition process step. Until next time. This has been the Tactical Transition Podcast. Thank you for listening. Be sure to push the follow button on our podcast and subscribe to ESELseminars.com.